Thin Line Believers is a Christ-based outreach for the men and women who walk the thin line between good and evil, order and chaos. Our motto is, our service for His glory. To the police officers, veterans, firefighters, corrections, paramedics, dispatchers, and whoever else may join us, we are so glad you're here. Hey folks. So, crazy times going on. Let's talk about this a little bit. First question that comes to mind is, where is Jesus in all this? Where is he? Well, I have the answer for you. He is seated at the right hand of God. He's not surprised by anything that's going on. He's not worried, not anxious. He's not pacing. He's not saying, wait, there's a virus? <laughs> Where did that come from? Wait, wait a second. There's rioting going on? Who's allowing this? No. No, Jesus is not surprised by any of this. And that's why he's seated. He's perfectly comfortable. And in fact, the Bible tells us what's going to happen. Why does it tell us? Well, it, it there are several reasons. One is because it's going to show the accuracy of the Bible. In fact, if you get into the book of Daniel, which we are going to here shortly, and read about the Grecian Empire before it came to pass, it is so accurate. Speaking of Alexander the Great, of... The four empires that came from the Grecian Empire. It's it's so accurate that historians who actually study this period of time say that there's no way that the book of Daniel was written before this. That it had to have been written after it. Well, that's just not the case. That's just how accurate God's word is. And that's why he gives it to us. is so that we can know what happens before it happens. So we'll, we'll know that what we're reading is the Word of God, and that it's truth. So, having said that, there are some other reasons that we have this. And the main reason that I believe that we have Revelation, that we have Daniel, and these prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled, but that are right on the cusp of being fulfilled, we have these so that when they happen, we will look up and know that our redemption draws near, that Jesus is coming back soon, that he's coming back for you and me. And we'll know that God told us this in advance so that we would be ready. Now, I think you should find some comfort in the fact that Jesus is still seated at the right hand of God. Where do we see Jesus standing in the Bible? We only see Jesus standing at the right hand of God in the book of Acts. And what happened there was Stephen was martyred. He was killed for his faith. And he could see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So when does Jesus stand? I believe Jesus stands to welcome, to welcome his bride, to welcome his saints. And I think that's pretty awesome. The Savior of the world only stands when it's time to welcome us home.
So the things that I worry about in this first world country, they don't, they don't worry Jesus. In fact, we can see throughout the Gospels that the one time Jesus was worried, the one time Jesus was in anguish, when he was out of fellowship with God. And we should, we should really think about that because you and I, if we were to be told, you're going to be out of fellowship with God for however long, a day, half a day, you know, we would, we would probably wait, be way too okay with that. But if they said, you have cancer, sorry, you're fired. You know, your, your, your child has this problem or that problem. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong to worry about that stuff because I think it's inevitable when that, those things come our way. I don't want to worry about them, but the, the point is they don't worry God. They don't worry Jesus. They're in full control. And Jesus knew that he had a Father in heaven who would provide for his every need. And realistically, every time I have encountered a situation that I thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. There's no way I'm getting through this on my own. It's, it's a good place for me to be because I ultimately don't get through it on my own. But I get through it. Not by my own power. Okay, so let's refocus here. Sorry, my tendency is to go off on a rabbit trail. Okay. So in reading the book of Daniel, in chapter 7, he has a dream about four beasts. And we're going to kind of hone in on, on the fourth beast. And he's actually given an interpretation of the dream. And so we're going to read Daniel chapter 7. Starting in verse 16. Now Daniel lived some 500, I think it's 538 years, somewhere around there, before Christ. So he was given these amazing, amazing uh, prophecies, mostly in dream or in visions by God. And he wrote them down, which parenthetically... When we read our Bible, when we go out to pray, when we go into our alone time, I do recommend that you bring something to write on and something to write with because if you receive something, we're supposed to write it down. And we're supposed to do the same thing when we go to church. Take notes because God will speak to you if, if you're ready to, uh, to record that. And we, we're, we see the same thing in the book of Revelation with uh, John. So let me talk about something here real quick. So we aren't to be focused on the Antichrist. I want to talk about him today because I want to show that we're close. But we're not to be looking for the Antichrist. We are to be looking for Jesus Christ. We're to be having our oil full and our lamps trimmed and prepared. As Jesus talked about the ten virgins, the five who showed up and waited for the, the bridegroom who had extra oil for their lamps, and those who didn't. And those who didn't had to go back. And the, the oil in the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit. And so what it's saying is you need to be ready. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You don't, 
we, we, we wait for the Lord. And yeah, I, I understand sometimes it's hard to wait. But the, the whole idea here is to stay in the Word, stay in prayer, really just, just dig your heels in and draw near to the Lord so that you'll be ready for His return. That you'll be about his business when he returns. That you'll still have your lamp burning bright when he comes. Because we want to be ready for that. So having said that, I do want to talk a little bit about the Antichrist here. Because there's a lot going on in the world. And I kind of want to just scratch the surface here a little bit. On where the world is headed. And then we'll finish with a little bit of encouragement here. Because... Quite frankly, the, the whole Antichrist and the idea of the Antichrist is, is a bit scary. So as we get into this, we also have a foreshadow of who the Antichrist will be. Okay, And his name is Antiochus Epiphanes, I believe is how it's pronounced. And he was one of the rulers back uh, several hundred years before Christ and he persecuted the Jews like crazy in fact he's one that that set up a uh, he sacrificed an unclean animal he sacrificed a pig in the temple at the time uh, of the Jews there in Israel just a horrible guy persecuted killed murdered Jews like crazy and so what we're gonna see here is some of this speaks of him, but what we're going to see is that it, it even more so speaks of the coming Antichrist that's going to be on the world scene here in the not-too-distant future. So enough of my own recollection here. Let's get into the words. So starting in verse 16, and we're going to go in the second half of verse 16. It says, so he told me, speaking of an angel. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Verse 19. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws. The beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell. The horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Now in the Bible, there's there's more than one group that are called the holy people, more than one group that are called saints. And in this case, the second mention, I believe, is the Jews, because we can see in several different pictures that the Jews are actually going to go through the tribulation period, that seven-year tribulation period, whereas the believing Christians who are saved prior to the tribulation will not. They'll be taken up to heaven in the rapture. 
Now, if you're in your car and you're arguing with me, well, my pastor said this, let's let's save that for another time because I'm going to, hopefully, God willing, unless we're out of here before then, I'm going to bring my friend Jay back on the show here, the show, back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about this rapture, this uh, pre-tribulation rapture. And we're going to offer you some proof, some stuff to chew on, and some stuff to pray about. But I fully and completely believe that we'll be out of here before the rapture comes, okay? So we're just going to, for uh, for this podcast, just bear with me and 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 know that that's, that's my belief and that's what we're going to be we're going to be sharing. Okay, so uh, what it's saying here is is similar to the book of Revelation that in the last three and a half years after this Antichrist goes in and sets up himself as God in the temple, then the quote-unquote holy people that it says here are going to come under attack from the Antichrist. And they're actually going to be chased, and eventually they're going to run to a place called Petra, which is a rock city that will actually keep them safe for that three and a half years. Okay, so when it says that the uh, this this one that has eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully, well, that's talking about the Antichrist. He's going to win people over with his mouth, okay, with the way he speaks. And he's going to be a boastful person. He's going to be arrogant and prideful. And so he's going to chase the holy people, and he's going to persecute them and attack them until the Ancient of Days comes and announces judgment in favor of the holy people. Moving along, says he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. So biblically speaking, what he's saying here is the holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. So a time is a year. Times, plural, is two years. And half a time is half of a year. So... Doing the math, one, two and a half, three and a half years. So the tribulation period is seven years. Begins with a a covenant, a treaty of sorts, a seven-year peace treaty. And then halfway through that, at the halfway point, this is where Antichrist shows his true colors to the Jews. And they come under attack. Okay, so, and then verse 26 and 27 to finish off this portion. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. So that's speaking of the second coming of Christ. Okay. So, a lot to chew on there, but I kind of want to just read that to you, give you something to think about, give you something to chew on, because in the future, what it's saying here is that there are going to be ten horns. Okay, the horns speak of kingdoms, so there's going to be ten kingdoms. 
So what I think is happening here is that the world's countries are going to be split into 10, uh, let's say states, 10 states. Because what's coming is a one world government. And if you don't, if you don't see that, you need to take a step back and look at what's going on in the world right now. Because what's going on is there are people in Washington, there are the elites, the Al Gores, the uh, Bill Gates, the George Soros of the world, the people who have a massive amount of control are calling for a what they're calling great a, a global reset. They're also calling for a one world currency, most likely in the form of a cryptocurrency with the blockchain technology and everything else to go along with it. They're also calling for mandatory vaccinations. And I think we talked last time about these quantum dot infrared tattoo things that are a form of identification. They track vaccinations. And there's even talk now of having those vaccinations uh, put into a government database. Because that's what we need. We need the government to track what we're doing. Anyhow, sarcasm aside, that's where the world is headed. And it was already foretold from Daniel and a lot less cryptically in Revelation. Okay, so moving on to chapter 8 here a little bit. First off, just a little portion of chapter uh, 8, verse 17 here says, Understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. And then bumping down to verse 19, it says, He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath, because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. And then we jump down to verse 23. I read those two because I want you to know that that's talking about the end times. Okay, This isn't something that's already happened. So, verse 23, In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. Okay, let's pause here for just a second. It says, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. Adolf Hitler was... And he was an ex-convict. And he, his speeches were very eerie. And if you watch the crowd and the way they react, he would build slowly over time. And he would build and he would build and he would build the rhetoric until he was yelling. And, and most of what we see in the videos is him yelling and pounding on on the stand, right? And and yelling at these people and and they were completely encapsulated by it and they bought into it because of the way he spoke he was a master of intrigue the spirit of antichrist has been alive and well for a very long time 
And I believe that's what was uh, the driving force for Adolf Hitler. It's no wonder he killed six million Jews. That's, that's Satan's ultimate goal is to kill the Jews. If he can kill off the Jews, then he, then he will manage to make all of God's promises to them null and void. Therefore making God a liar. So that's Satan's ultimate goal is to get rid of every single Jew. And we saw that with Adolf Hitler. And we see that starting to rise again. We see anti-Semitism all over the place. Okay, moving along here. And it says he will become very strong, but not by his own power. That's because he's given this power. Uh, the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual realm, right? The spiritual realm is very real. And it's this spiritual realm, this satanic evil that is going to give its power to the Antichrist. Okay, so it says, but not by his own power. That's why it says that. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. Speaking again of Israel. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. That is Jesus Christ. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The United States is not going to come to the rescue. Russia is not going to destroy the Antichrist. China is not going to nuke him. That's not how this is going to go down. We'll see later on in Revelation, at another time, that it is Jesus coming back with the saints Destroying these folks, these evil, evil, possessed people. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. This is very interesting to me, at least, because it says to seal it up because it concerns the distant future. Somebody reading this even 50 years ago wouldn't have understood necessarily. Somebody reading the book of Revelation, even 50 years ago, wouldn't have understood. There's a part in there where it talks about these two witnesses and how everyone will see them. Everyone in the world will see two witnesses during the tribulation period. That was not possible until, I don't know how long ago Facebook Live came out. What, five, six, seven years ago? Now there's YouTube Live, there's Facebook Live, there's all these live channels that can be streamed anywhere in the world, practically. So, if they push this 5G, 5G technology, if they're pushing that, yeah, I, I'm very sure that every single person in the world will be able to see these two witnesses. That was sealed up until now. Nobody understood how that could be. Now all these things are starting to be understood. One world currency? How's that possible? Is every gonna, everybody going to have a paper currency that's all the same? No, that, that wouldn't have worked out. But this will work. This will work. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond 
understanding. It was beyond understanding for Daniel. It's not beyond understanding for us. Now just to confirm this, at the very end of Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 27, it says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Speaking of seven years. In the middle of the seven, i.e. three and a half years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Again, there you have it. Now you might be thinking, well, this speaks of a temple. There is no temple in, in Israel. And if they built a temple, wouldn't they have to knock down the uh, Dome of the Rock? Well, there's an answer for that, and maybe that's for another time also, but there is a very simple solution to build the temple next to the Dome of the Rock, and it just will not include the uh, outer courts. The Court of the Gentiles, I think, is what it was called. And we see again in Revelation that it actually says, do not, do not measure the Court of the Gentiles, because it won't be included. So yes, there will be a temple. It will be rebuilt. In fact, everything else is prepared and ready. There's uh, something called the Temple Institute that's already prepared everything. It's even prepared the, pre the priests for their uh, uh, traditions. Okay. Let's 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 end with a little hope here. I I got a lot that we could go into talking about about the Antichrist and uh, the false the false prophet. But I tell you what, let's end with a little hope. And the hope is this. We can see all these things coming. And that's good news for Christians. It might be rough for a while. In fact, it's going to get worse. And we may have to be here for just a little bit longer. But I really do feel like this is God preparing the world for what's to come. And He's preparing the believers for heaven. If God is allowing something to happen in our lives, ultimately it's going to be for our good and His glory. It may not feel like it. And we may not see it this side of heaven. In fact, there's a lot of things that that I see going on that I really just scratch my head about. I'm going to start losing hair if I don't stop it. But there's a lot of things that we we have to learn to trust God on. And that's part of this life. Part of this life is teaching us to trust in the Lord. But the encouragement is this. He's not leaving us here. The Bible says that we are not appointed to wrath. That last seven years, that seven-year tribulation is, is the time of, of wrath. It's the time of Jacob's trouble is what it's called. The 70th week. The Bible speaks of essentially 69 weeks. 
that the Jews would be trampled underfoot. And at the end of that 69 weeks, Jesus arrived. And that began the, uh, the time of the church. Well, there's still seven years remaining. There's still one week remaining. And that's coming, but it's not for the church. The church is going to be in heaven at the marriage feast. And we can talk about that more later. But take hope in this. If God has brought us to it, he'll bring us through it. He's not sitting back and watching us suffer. Jesus Christ suffered right along with us. In fact, the Bible said that he suffered more than any man. That he was marred more than any man. And I know that's hard to imagine, but the, the reason is because he was out of fellowship with the Father and he took every sin that had been committed and will be committed on his own shoulders and paid the price for all of it. That's why he was marred more than any man. And he knew that was coming. That's why he sweat blood in the garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. We're not in this alone. and we're, uh, we're the only group that can say that we have that blessed hope. Paul said that there are those who, excuse me, Jesus said there are those who will not taste death. And that may very well be this generation. That may very well be very soon. So look up and know that your, your redemption draws near. The world is in a perfect place to welcome this Antichrist. It's in disarray. And that's exactly what those in power want. Many of those in power, not all of them, but many of those in power want this. They want mankind to be controlled. They want us to be tracked. And look at all it took. It took a virus for us to give up our freedoms. The freedom to go outside. The freedom to go to the park. The freedom to enjoy a movie as a family. All of that went away overnight. And it was for our quote-unquote safety. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have been safe. Don't mishear me on this. I definitely believe that there are folks who absolutely needed to stay indoors. My wife has several underlying conditions, and we kept her in sight. We took those precautions. But the point is, what's next? Whether it's real or made up or manufactured. What's next to take away more freedoms and to set up the world even more for this Antichrist? Because by the time he shows up on scene, people are going to welcome him with open arms. To the point where people will be getting in line to take this mark of the beast. However, you and me, having watched for the second coming of Jesus, we won't be in that line. We won't even have the option to be in that line because we'll be in heaven. So if you listen to this today and you haven't listened to these before, well, I don't know, maybe this wasn't the greatest one to start with. Maybe it was. 
But if you're wondering if you're saved, it, it's very simple. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God sent, his one and only son, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that he was brought back to life on the third day and that he ascended into heaven and he lives making intercession for you and me, if you believe that that happened and you receive that gift, you're saved. I like J.D. Frog's ABCs of Salvation. A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner. B is believe. Believe on him whom the Father has sent. And C is confess. It's, it's pretty simple. All right, folks. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. I know it's been a while. And I don't know if this is the right kind of topic to bring, bring in you right now. Maybe it's a little bit scary for some folks when it really shouldn't be. The only reason that we should be scared is maybe because loved ones who we fear will be left behind. And that I completely understand. In fact, in the book of Revelations, John was given a scroll and he, he was told to eat that little scroll. And when he did, he said it tasted like honey in his mouth, but it made his stomach bitter. And that's what this is. This is sweet to the mouth. This is sweet to the taste because we're going to heaven where there's there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no worry or anxiety. And it's our forever home. It's where we want to be. And that is sweet. But then there's bitterness in the stomach because we know that there are those who have refused to accept this. And believe me, God is a perfect gentleman. He will never force somebody To be in his presence. He will never force someone to believe in him. He will never force someone to come to heaven. And that's where these books like Love Wins and and those are, well, they're just wrong. Because God's not going to force himself on anyone. And so that, that can leave a a pretty gnarly bitterness in the stomach. But I tell you, there will be those in the tribulation who will be saved. They're known as tribulation saints. However, they will be killed for their belief. They most definitely will be killed for their belief. It'll be worth it. But it'll be rough. So, uh, I, I think maybe a good idea way to close here is be in prayer. But before we do that, um, we do want to hear from you. Thinlinebelievers at gmail. Send us an email. We'd like to know what's going on. would like to know what we can pray for. And we actually do read those individually and pray for you. You know, we're not a church that gets prayer requests in a box and prays over the box. That's not how it works. Hopefully churches don't work that way either. I'm just saying. We're going to pray over you individually. And if you allow us to, we'll call you and pray with you. We also have an Instagram. We haven't been super active lately. There's been a lot going on, as you well know. But that exists, and you can send us a message on there too. Tag us, whatever. Uh, interact with us. And if you'd like to ask us about some of this kind of stuff, let me know. You got. We're happy to do a little Q&A. We're not the wisest, but we got the good book. 
so we can look it up. So ask us questions. So let's finish in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this this podcast, for those who listen. Thank you for our first responder community, for the hard job that we all have. We're called to be servants, and we are servants for you. Please be with my brothers and sisters out there who are working hard every day, regardless of what uniform they wear, if they wear a uniform, the families of our first responders, and your believing people in general. Please help us to get through these crazy times, knowing that our blessed hope is in you, and you've never left us, you've never failed us, and your word says that you will never leave us or forsake us. We are not forsaken. But Lord, we can see evil running rampant around us. We can see people being hurt. We can see livelihoods destroyed, and we we just ask that we would see your mighty hand at work. And to finish this off, Lord, please come quickly. Amen. All right, folks, take care. And until next time, God bless.